Last week, we, we started this new brief series, um, How to Hear God's Voice. And if you missed last week, I'm not going to tell you that it was really good, right? Because I don't know if it was or not. But what I'm going to tell you is that it was foundational to everything else we're going to say. So even if it wasn't that great, here's what I need you to do if you missed it. I need you to go back and listen. Listen through the website, listen through YouTube, listen through podcast, however you do it. But I need you to go back and listen, and here's why. Because last week is the only foundation for how to hear God's voice. Last week we talked about the simple fact that, that God speaks to us first and foremost through the Bible, through his word. And we talked about the fact that, oh, I should turn it on. We talked every time, we talked about the fact that, that if you want to hear from God, the most consistent, reliable, healthy way is to spend regular time in the word. Right? Because if you're not spending regular time in the Word of God, you cannot hope to understand what God is saying to you. And I promise you that God is talking, right? Jesus told, told us that, that right, he speaks, he speaks and his sheep hear his voice. And Jesus is talking to us. God is talking to us. The Holy Spirit is talking to us. But we aren't always good at listening and hearing. And if you want to hear God... It starts with being in his word. This is a um, tired and worn out, but yet true and effective illustration, right? You know how treasury agents do it. You know that a treasury agent, part of their job is to, is to be able to discern what's real currency and what's counterfeit currency, right? But they don't learn to discern what's counterfeit by studying counterfeit currency. See, that would never work. Because no counterfeit is the same. So instead, what they do is they, they learn to discern what's real and what's counterfeit by getting to know intimately what real looks like, what real feels like, even what real smells like. Right? There, there's a point where treasury agents will understand what is fake by being intimately aware and familiar with what's real. That's the way it works with the Word of God. Today we talk about, um, today we talk about doors and, and desires and signs and those things and, and how they can be God's voice for us as we walk, and they can. They can also be something else. And this is why this gets tricky. Right? They can also be counterfeit. You know as well as I do that sometimes your desires are stupid. Why? Why are my desires sometimes stupid? Because my heart can be stupid. Because, and I know it's tired and, and, and it, you know, um, if you were playing bingo, somebody might check this off, but because we're broken and we're messy. Uh. Yeah, drill down on this. You got to get this. But here's the thing, right? We are broken and messy and our hearts are stupid. And so our desires are wrong at times. And because our desires are wrong at times and because we live in a world where our culture is so goofy, right? And and so not rooted in God's truth all of the time that, that there are doors to walk through all of the time that might not be the right doors, And when we start talking about hearing God's voice to us in signs and doors and in desires, and listen to me, God does want to talk to us in those things. And we want to hear him in those things. 
if we aren't intimately connected with God, then we won't know what's real and we won't know what's false. We won't know what's counterfeit. So as we dig into this today, uh, we're going we're gonna to lay it all on the table and we're going to walk through this as, as clear as we can, right? But first and foremost, I need to tell you, all of this was to say, don't look for God in your desires. And don't look for God's voice in your desires. And don't look for God's voice in open and closed doors if you are not first looking for God's voice in the way that you read and interact with the Word of God. Because that is the way that God speaks to you most clearly. And when you know his voice, and you hear his voice, and you love his voice, then and only then should you be looking for his voice in these other places. All right. A couple more words of caution as we go. Um, When we talk about hearing the voice of God in some of these things, um, we're, we're, well, Only the voice of God. Only the voice of God. Some of you, man, you're all in on your horoscopes. Knock it off. And the reason I say knock it off is not because I'm being picky. It's because God says it's evil. You're like, how can it be evil to look at a horoscope? Listen, just go back and read the books of law. It's evil. Because at its root, at its core, is divination and things that have nothing to do with God and his creation and the Holy Spirit. It's, in some way, it's worshiping his creation and and trying to find meanings and secrets out of his creation instead of looking at him. Stay away from those things. Psychics? Word tells us that's evil. So when we're looking for signs and doors and desires and for that to be the voice of God, we very clearly are not looking at those external things. Be careful. Be mindful. Right? I just, I want to give you a word of caution because I know that even in the church, right, even in the church, some of those things are viewed as easy and harmless and silly. And then for some of us, some of them are viewed as helpful and impactful. Right? I see what groups you belong to on Facebook. I see what other Facebook communities you're a part of. When you share things, we all know it. Right? Stop it. Stay away from those things. They're not helpful. In fact, God says they're evil. God says they have no place in in, in trying to worship him and hear his voice because they have nothing to do with truth. So, as respectfully as I can and pastorally as I can, let me tell you this. Stop it. Okay? So, desires endorse today. Here's what we're talking about. Desires are um, what they sound like. They are the things that make you happy, the things that you enjoy, the things you look forward to, the things you hope for and delight in, right? Those are your desires. Those aren't bad. Some of them are stupid because your heart is stupid. My heart is stupid. Some of them are good because the Holy Spirit lives in us and prompts us and guides us because God loves us and, and, and he wants us to enjoy life. And so we have to be able to discern his voice in this. And doors, I, I know some of you are like, Matt, we know what a door is. And, and my first thing I wrote there, just to try to be funny, is a door is something you walk through. You're like, whoa, what'd you learn at church today? That a door is something you walk through. You're welcome. But, but here's the thing, right? There are moments in life where, and we're not talking about physical, literal doors, usually, but there are moments in life where we're going from one place to another. Those are doors that we walk through from one season to another, right? For, some of them are big and drastic. Jobs, 
moving to new places, um, getting married, having children. These are doors that we walk through, right? Some of them are subtle. Some of them are subtle. The opportunity to take on extra responsibilities at work that leads eventually to other things, right? The Entering into new friendships and new relationships that teach you new things that you can then somehow grow and learn from. Doors can be big, doors can be subtle, right? And, and there are no days where you are not walking through doors and making choices. The thing for us, how do we discern what it is that God wants for us in a world where there are so many things available? How do I discern what signs are from God and what signs are just part of living in a chaotic, broken world? What signs are from God and what signs are from the enemy because he's trying to lead me astray? What opportunities, what desires of my heart are God-given and good? And what desires of my heart are wrong and false? And so we have to figure out how to discern God's voice in all of this. So, starts with Scripture. And then we dig in. Let's go ahead and get started. You can open up your Bibles. We're going to look at a couple of different verses today. I think there will be four total. Okay? And we'll start here with Psalm 37.4. One of the simplest, shortest verses that we're going to look at here. It just says this. Take delight in the Lord, and he will give you your heart's desires. Now, we read that, and there are all kinds of bad doctrines and bad theologies that come from a verse like that. Right? Because taken out of context, here's what it says. If you love God, he will give you whatever you want. He will give you the desires of your heart. And if you're like me, my heart desires a lot that's not always healthy. My heart desires more, bigger, better. Right? That we just do naturally. And God says, if you delight in me, if you take delight in me, I will give you what you wish for, what you desire. The problem with that, right, is that it's a misunderstanding of what God is telling us here. So we've got to break this apart and we've really got to deal with this. Because one of the ways we hear God's voices, uh, we hear God's voice in our desires is to understand what it is that his desires are. So it starts with this, take delight in the Lord. You know what the word delight means? Right? To delight, in the original Hebrew, it's tov, T-O-V. It's the same word that, that is used when God says that he looked at all of his creation and he saw that it was good. Right? On the first day, he created and he said, I, it's good. And on the second day, he adds to creation. He says, it's good. Every day, he says, it's good until his culmination when he says, it is very good. This is a word of pure joy, excitement, pleasure. Right? God says that, that when he created everything, that he had such pleasure and joy that at the end of the day, he said, it is good, it is awesome, it is perfect, it is wonderful. That it created this, this thing in him, this feeling. And God wants you to have that feeling. God wants you to have that joy. God wants you to have that delight in your life. God wants you to have... See, some of you have this picture of God that he's miserly and he's holding back. But God isn't miserly and God isn't holding back. God actually wants you to experience the purest, most wonderful joy, contentment, passion that is possible for you. 
he just is smarter than you. And he knows that even your good desires aren't going to fix it. They're not going to give you that. Let, let's, let's think about what we desire. What do we really desire? Right? We desire money. We desire stuff. We desire um, our dream house, our dream spouse. Right? We desire family. We desire all of these things, right? And when we get them, do they really satisfy? No. What do we do? We desire even more of them, even bigger of them, right? More money, right? Bigger house. We want more, right? Those things are gifts from God. They are good desires to have, and they are good gifts. They are terrible gods, But we elevate these things to God's. We worship them. We chase them. We give our all for them. The problem is it just doesn't pay off, and God knows that, right? He wants us to experience the same ecstasy and joy and passion that he experienced at creation when he looked at everything he did, and he said, man, it is awesome. It is good. It is perfect. It is everything I wanted. He wants you to experience that. Some of you aren't. A lot of us aren't. One of the things that I've discovered in my time as an elder before and as a pastor here in this last seven, eight years is that Christians are some of the um, ho-hummiest people I've ever met. I don't know if that's a good way to say that or not, but it's what I got. Man, we just kind of are a depressed group sometimes. And we have this attitude, well, you know what we're going to do? We're just going to muddle through until we die. Because then we get to go to heaven. Right? Life stinks. Following God is really hard. He takes all the fun out of life. But I know I have to because I know he's real and I know heaven's real and I know hell's real. So I'm just going to muddle through the best I can. And then when I die, I'm going to go to heaven and it'll be worth it. 50,000 years from now, I won't care how bad it was. That was for you. 50,000 years from now, I won't care. But you know what? That is, a, that is a terrible picture of what God wants for you. God wants you to take delight. That word for delight, tov, in the old Hebrew, that, that word for delight is ecstasy and joy unending. He just knows there's really only one place to find it. And it's so counterintuitive. But it's not in the things that you think will make you happy. He wants you to find that joy. He wants you to find it. He wants you to have that delight. And he knows if it's really going to be real, if it's going to satisfy, if it's going to last, if it's going to do what it's intended to do, that it can only be in one place, him. This is why he says, delight in the Lord. Why? Because that is what will satisfy your soul. And you're like, Matt, I've tried to delight in the Lord and it hasn't satisfied my soul. And I get it, right? Because we're broken and we're messy and it takes time. It takes time. But when you delight in the Lord, that's when things get good. So I'm going to ask you a question to think about it here for a second. How many of you truly delight in the Lord? Like, I mean... He is your passion. 
He is your everything. He is who you sell out for. How many of you can say that you truly delight in the Lord like that? And I'd venture to say, it's not too many of us that are ho-hum. It's not too many of us that are thinking, well, we just have to muddle through and then we get to die and go to heaven. But God wants more for you. Too many of us are lukewarm. Too many of us have a foot in and a foot out. And we love God, but we love other stuff too. And we like God and we like other stuff too. And we try to balance the two. But God says, if you want this joy, if you want to have the same joy that I had at creation, the same joy that I want you to have, this passion, this delight, then you've got to find it in me. And when you find it, he says, when you find it in me, then, then here's the deal. When your delight is in me. See, this is why we can't just read a verse like this and say, oh, if we like God, he'll give us everything we want. Right? I want a new job. I want a new car. I want, a, you know, I want a better life. I want all of it. And I like God, so he has to give it to me because that's what the Bible says. No, that's bad theology. Because here's what it says. It says, when you take delight in the Lord, when he is your all and your everything, and he is where you pour yourself out, and he is your joy and your ecstasy and your passion, when he is all of it, then he will give you your heart's desire. Why? Because your heart will desire the things that draw you closer to God. So here's the deal. If you want to hear the voice of God in your desires, right? Then first and foremost, you must major in delighting in the Lord. And if you want to know where to start delighting in the Lord, um, in case I, I, running the risk of sounding like a broken record, you should probably get in his word. You should probably read this and study this and, and, and be a part of this and, and be in tune with what God says. And when that happens, you will start to grow to delight in him. And when you delight in him, he will give you desires. What this really means is that God will actually upload desires to your heart. Right? It doesn't mean that God will give you what you think you want. It means that God will make you want what's good. God will actually upload desires to your heart when you delight in him. How will that happen? Well, it happens through the Holy Spirit living in you. Take a look here. So I say, let, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, right? So we're not free to carry out our good intentions. See, here's what happens. You have bad desires that are part of your sinful nature, you have good desires that you turn into bad things because of your sinful nature. That's just kind of who we are on our own, right? But we have the Holy Spirit of God living in us, the third person of the Trinity, God himself living inside of us. And, and here's the reality. He wants to give us better desires. He wants to give us God desires. C.S. Lewis said, um, I should look because otherwise I'll get it wrong. But C.S. Lewis says it this way. He says, We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered. He says we're like children 
content playing in a mud puddle because we don't realize that we've been offered a holiday at sea. And he would argue about your bad desires and especially even about your good ones that you make God things. Right? That, that, that God doesn't find our desires too strong. It's that they're too weak. God wants to give you something so much better. And when you delight in him, he will give you desires for things that are right and good and draw you closer. They will give you joy. So here's a litmus test. Does following the desires of, the, of your heart, do they draw you closer or do they push you away? Because it cannot be the voice of God the desire that you're feeling, the urge that you're feeling, the signs that you're following, they cannot be the voice of God if they push you further away from God. They just won't. But I've talked to far too many Christians, far too many people that have the Holy Spirit of God living inside of them that tell me I'm just following my heart when they openly sin. I'm just going after my heart's desire. God wouldn't put it in front of me if he didn't want me to have it. God wouldn't open that door if he didn't want me to walk through it. God wouldn't give me that desire if he didn't want me to act on it. But listen, friends, our hearts are foolish. And God does want you to give you the desires of your heart. But first and foremost, before that happens, he needs you to delight in him. And when you delight in him, that's true, right? And Paul goes so far in this chunk in Galatians to tell you that your desires are actually going to fight against the Holy Spirit if you're not careful. Your desires will fight against the Holy Spirit. You know that feeling, right? You know, you know, just like I know for me, that there are times when you have a strong desire and the strong desire is to do something that you know God says no to that you know isn't from God. You have a strong desire to be some way or act some way or do something that you know is contrary to the will of God. And just because it's a desire doesn't mean the voice of God is telling you yes. In fact, you can still hear God's voice in those desires, right? That voice comes in, in, in terms of conviction. Think about it. Right before you do things, you know you shouldn't. You hear that still small voice, don't you? Right? You don't need one more drink. Stop it. Don't say that. Don't go there. Don't be involved in that relationship. Don't log into that site. Don't watch that. You hear that voice. Right? In our desires, sometimes God speaks to us. Right? When we have a desire that's wrong, he speaks to us through conviction. We know what's wrong. You can get good at tuning it out. You can get good at, at shushing the Holy Spirit. I mean, think about how silly that is, right? You ever been shushed by somebody? Right? You're talking and they're just like, shh, stop it. Like when you were a kid at school or whatever, and, and, and the, the person that has authority over you would shush you and shut you down. It's kind of what you do to the Holy Spirit. God's talking to you and you hear him. You hear his voice telling you no. And you're like, shh, be quiet. 
And then you justify it. Well, it's a God-given desire, so it must be all right. No, it's not a God-given desire. It's a desire that stems from your sin nature. God wants to give you better desires. Look, look what it says. It says, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. The Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. When we delight in the Lord, when we know his word and we get good at hearing God's voice and we delight in the Lord, he will upload desires to our hearts so that the things we desire are things that draw us closer to God. And they draw us closer to God and that's good because he is the best joy and passion that we are ever going to have and he knows it. See, when, when God says, I want you to delight in me, God's not being selfish. God isn't being egotistical. When God says, I'm the best you're ever going to get, he's not being arrogant. He just knows. He knows because he created everything. He created you. He created your heart. He created your desires. He created everything in you that have been broken by sin. And he knows the way to bring them back. He knows the way that you were created. You were created for joy and passion and pleasure. And he knows that the way to fulfill that is not chasing other created things, but it's chasing the creator. So in your desires, you are going to hear God's voice. Sometimes it's God's voice telling you, no, stop. Sometimes it's going to be God's voice telling you, this is good and right. Those are the desires that the Holy Spirit has uploaded. But, but here's the litmus test, right? If you can't find a solid Bible-believing Christian that believes it's good and that it's a desire that comes from God, then it's not. Right? If you can't find a, a fellow brother or sister in Christ, somebody who is strong in the Lord, somebody who is walking after the Lord, somebody who knows the word of God intimately, like a treasury agent, right? They know what's real and they know what's counterfeit. If you can't convince them that this is God's desire for you, then listen to me. It is not. God's desire for you. If it pushes you further away from God instead of draws you closer, it is not God's desire for you. That shouldn't be hard to figure out, right? The voice of God calls you close. It doesn't push you away. And when we get good at discerning these desires, right, the other thing that we see is that God will oftentimes open doors for us to walk through. Or he will close doors that we can't walk through. And we see how this works in conjunction with our desires, right? And, and, we, and we have to wrap our heads around this a little bit. I'll, I'll tell you a story um, how this worked in my life, right? So when I was 28, I think, I got a call from a guy named Jeff Condit. And Jeff Condit said, hey, Matt, we are having an elder study class, six in the morning on Tuesdays, and I would like you to come. And I said to myself, I do not want to go to a study class at six in the morning on Tuesdays. But yet, God uploaded a desire in me that said, Matt, you got to walk through that door. I know why. Not because I like getting up early. Not because I wanted to do the extra work. Right? But I said, okay. Okay, Jeff, I'll show up. See, it turned out Bethany at the time, Bethany Baptist Church, the place I was at, was, was shifting. They were, they were shifting their whole leadership model from a congregationally led church. Like, like, man, we need to fix the copier. Let's vote. See if we can spend the 200 bucks to fix the copier. I mean, there was like a business meeting after church every other week. 
so that the church could vote on whether or not we could buy gas for the van, right, to an elder-led model, a, a more naturally biblical model of church leadership. And in part of that, they were inviting men that they thought might be elders someday, um, or just so that they would know who they were voting to affirm, right? To know what the qualifications and the qualities of eldership were so that, that we could know what it is that we're saying yes to or no to. So I went to an elder training class, and it was in that class that God started to, to give me desires, upload his desires in my heart as I tried to delight in the Lord. Perfectly no, but I tried to delight in the Lord. And as I did, the Holy Spirit gave desires to me to continue to grow. It started with a desire to be an elder. Several years before I was old enough to be an elder, there the bylaws were 30 years old. So several years before I was old enough to be an elder, God gave me that desire. Was I prepared? No. Was I ready? No. But he gave me a desire. So guess what? I got prepared. I kept digging in. And every time a door opened, I'd walk through the door. Did I know where it was going to end? Absolutely not. See, following God through open doors is like a scavenger hunt. You don't know where you're going. You just walk through the door as it opens. And because he's giving you his desires and you're following that, right? He'll open another door. He'll shut some doors and you're going to end up wherever God wants you to be. Right? I didn't know when I said yes to that elder class that, that that was going to be the beginning of how I ended up standing in front of you as your pastor. And I'm going to keep walking through whatever go- doors God clearly shows me or for me, and I'm going to stop trying to open doors that he shuts because I can promise you there's nothing but heartache down that road either. Right? And, and, and when you do that, you're going to find yourself where God wants you to be. If reading the word of God is like hearing the voice of God. Desires and and doors are kind of like God's sign language. It takes some discernment. It takes some interpretation. It's hard work, but God does speak to us that way. Here's what he says. Jesus says in Revelation, he says, write this letter to the angel of the church in Philadelphia. This is the message from the one who is holy and true, the one who has the key of David, right? The key of David was the key to the palace, the key to the city. It was one key that one guy had, right? And he says, this is the message of the guy that has the key to everything for your life. What he opens, nobody can close. And what he closes, no one can open, right? It behooves us to understand God's desires for us so that we can walk where he wants us to walk. Because if not, man... I've known plenty of Christians in their day that have walked against the will of the Lord for their lives. Can God still use them? Yes. Can God still do some good things in their life? Can they still be useful for the kingdom? Absolutely. Can they still find a little bit of joy? Absolutely. But their lives aren't marked by that passion that God wants them to have because they're trying to walk against the grain. Even as Christians, we can walk down the wrong doors if we're not careful. We have to get good at this. Here, here's how it worked for Paul. Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia. I don't think that's how you say that, but I don't know. Um, and Galatia. Because the Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time. So, so here's what happened, right? The Holy Spirit literally closed the door to the entire continent of Asia. Right? 
Like, like they're going and they're like, we're on a missionary journey. They are following God's path. And the Holy Spirit has basically shut down Asia. Could they have still gone to Asia? Absolutely. Would they have had success in their ministry? No. Because while they would still be Christian men, they would be going against the grain of where God wants them. God has shut the door. It says the Holy Spirit prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia at the time. Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. Guess where Bithynia is? It's in Asia. Paul said, okay, you prevented me from going there, so I went here instead. But now I want to go back to Bithynia. But again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. So instead, they went through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. So here's what happened. Paul and his companions are doing God's work, right? They delight in the Lord. He is uploading desires into their heart. And because he's uploading desires into their heart, they're in communication with God. He hears God's voice. And they're getting ready to go to Rome, right, in Bithynia. And the Holy Spirit shuts it down and says, no, that door is closed to you. Why? Why would God say you can't go there to preach the gospel? Why would God tell you that something that you think is a good desire, something that you think is right, that you think honors him, is wrong? And it's simply this. It's because he knows better. Because he knows better. And so listen. You would do well to develop this thing that we call a check in your spirit as a Christian. A check in your spirit is one of the ways that you know if you're hearing from God. One of the ways that you know when he's closing doors and when he's opening others. A check in your spirit is this sense that you have. It's, it's really the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is giving you a red light. I can give you an example of this for, from my life. And, and I may have said this before, but when Carrie and I were looking for a church, we were um, the first church that ever gave us a call. We were excited to go to for like a minute. We talked to them on the phone and it was comfortable and it was easy. We had a Skype interview with them and it was, it was good and we felt connected to them. Like, man, we feel like we've known these people for a long time. And they invited us to come out and visit and preach. It was in Washington State. Um, and so it was, a, it was a thing, right? We talked about, like, are we really ready to move 26 hours away, right, and to do this? And what does that look like? Riley was in college and all of our family is here in Iowa. But, you know, like we said, we'd go where God wanted us to go as long as it wasn't where hurricanes were going to happen. Then we ended up in Iowa. Iowa, right? I know. Uh, but, but so we went, right? We went and we, we were there and we met the people and we heard their, their heart and, and, and man, we were like, yeah, this feels good. We had concerns about um, some of the details of, of the call and we talked to those and, and they figured out how to work around those concerns and to meet those needs. And so we, we got on the plane heading back and we were like, yeah, that feels good, Right? But over the course of the next week, both Carrie and I had a huge check in our spirit where I don't know why, and I don't know that I'll ever know why this side of heaven, but God very clearly said, no, 
That is not where you were to go. Humanly speaking, we were, we were going to follow God's will. We were going to go out there. We were going to preach the gospel. We were going we to do this thing, and it was going to be awesome. And it was for God. It was for his kingdom. How could it be bad, right? But God very clearly said, no, you can't go there. Everything about it, everything that we were excited about all of a sudden felt bad. Everything that, that, that made it simple all of a sudden felt really uneasy. Right? Now you've got a problem. Is that God? Is that Satan? Right? Is that God saying, no, you can't go there. That's not what I have for you. Or is that Satan saying, I don't want you there because I don't want you there for the kingdom. See, this is where we have to get really good at discerning what's the voice of God and what's the voice of the culture. And listen, I know, I know, right? You're getting sick of hearing it. But all I can tell you is that the more time you spend in the word of God and the more comfortable you get hearing God's voice here, then the more you get to discern what God is telling you in your spirit. I had no doubt in my mind that that wasn't Satan trying to keep me from a place God wanted me. But instead, that was God saying, that might be good, but it's not best. That might feel right, but really it's not what I have for you. I wish it was simpler than that, guys. I wish I could give you some other code. I wish I could give you some other way to discern. But, but really what it comes down to is you've got to be so intimately close with God that you just know what's him and you know what's counterfeit. The only way that happens is by spending time. Satan opposed Paul at every step. Satan hounded him at every stop on the journey. Satan wanted him to not go anywhere. He tried to threaten him. He had some of his, his people try to stand in his way. He had people throw rocks at him and try to kill him. Twice he had to escape in the middle of the night. Once they threw stones at him until they thought he was dead and drug him outside the city. God revives him. He gets up and he walks right back in. Paul knows what it is when Satan tries to stand in his way. But Paul also knew what it was when God clearly shut a door. Because they headed north for the province of Bithynia, but again, the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go. And so Paul says, okay. Instead, they went on through Myasia and a seaport of Troas. And then here's what happened. We see why. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. Having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. Greece, Macedonia, in Europe. They hadn't been to Europe yet either. So Paul went and he planted a thriving church in Europe. His first convert there was a woman named Lydia. And if you, know, if you know your New Testament, your early church history, you know that Lydia was an integral, important part of the early church. But in his heart, Paul wanted to go to Rome. 
in his providence, God said, no, that's good, but I have something better for you. And Paul, because he was so intimately connected with God, he knew that it wasn't Satan trying to get in his way, but it was God opening a different door. And he walked through it, and we can read the impact of it as we go through the New Testament. The letters to Ephesus, to Galatia, to Corinth. We read those letters, Thessalonia. We read those letters, right? Those are a result of God saying, no, not here. I want you here. So he goes and he makes converts and he preaches the gospel and he plants churches. And he stays and he, and he disciples churches before he moves on. And then God gives him a heart for the church. And so what does he do? Um, in, in fatherly Christian love, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he tracks and he writes and he converses and he admonishes and he teaches and he corrects and he loves. And we get that as the word of God for us. Why? Because God was so clear with him about where he should go and what he should do. And Paul was so intimate with God that he recognized the voice of God. Here's the deal. It, it, it's, it's not mystical. You're like, that's why we love horoscopes. It's why we like psychics. Because they're mystical. And frankly, they're easy. Right? You just open up the paper and you find yours and you read it. And you're like, okay, I'm going to do that. You go to a psychic, you pay him your money, they tell you what you need to know and what you need to do, and you're like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. It's easy. It's mystical. Listen, the word of God, the voice of God, he is speaking to you, but it's not mystical. It's supernatural, but it's not mystical. Right? It's through his word, and the more intimately you get to know him, it's through the spirit that lives inside of you. There's more. All right, but at some point in time, um, I think we know what we need to know, right? So, so I could tell you all about Balaam and his talking donkey, um, as is in my notes. And some of you are like, yes, let's talk about the talking donkey. Um, here's the deal. It's just a, God, a, a way that God says this, that when your path is reckless, he will correct you. Right? And, and the only way to know what a check in the Spirit is, whether it's Satan trying to stop you or whether it's God holding you back from something reckless or leading you to something better, okay? the only way to know that is to be intimate with him. I'm going to leave you with this, and then we're going we're gonna to take communion together. Um, and I guess we'll just be done early. I mean, stop me if you hate that idea. Um, but but here, here's what I'm going to leave you with. Guys, this world is convoluted. It's convoluted. And if I got to hear one more time, if I got to hear one more time, right, that if it's in my heart, it must be from God. I mean, sabbatical's coming at just the right time because I don't want to smack people. <laughs> but sometimes I want to smack people. And that includes myself. 
Just because I feel it doesn't make it right. Just because it's easy doesn't make it right. Discerning the voice of God is necessary to know where God wants us to go. You can squeeze your head through a lot of doors. It doesn't mean that God opened them for you to walk through. You can pry open doors that God shut, right? It doesn't mean that he opened it for you. When you delight in the Lord, that happens when you know him and you spend time with him. You don't grow to delight in someone unless you spend time with them. When you delight in the Lord through his word, and you hear his voice through his word, well, then guess what? Right? He uploads desires to your heart, and you know which doors are from him, which signs are from him. When you don't, you play a guessing game. And Satan is really good at disguising himself as an angel of light. And he is like a lion skulking around looking for someone to devour. The only way you know what's real is when you know, um, I'm sorry, the only way you know what's counterfeit is when you know what's real. All right, so, so here's, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to stop. And I'm just going to ask you in your, in your heart, in your mind right now, to take stock. To take stock in whether or not you can truly say from your soul that you delight in the Lord. And if you can, awesome. If you can't, then here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you to recognize it. I'm going to ask you to confess it. And I'm going to ask you to repent of it. And repenting of it means that I'm going to fix it that I'm going to do what it takes to delight in the Lord so that I can hear his voice, so that I can know what's real and what's not. Listen, signs, doors, those things are necessary. Reading the Bible is awesome, and it's what you have to do. But the Bible doesn't get you from Bithynia to Macedonia. Right? The Bible doesn't get you from Bithynia to Macedonia. That is following God's word in your life, right? But you can't follow God's word in your life unless you know it intimately in your Bible and you are intimately connected with him. Because that's where you grow to delight in him. And when you delight in him, that's when you can trust your desires and the checks in your spirit because they're from God. If you don't delight in the Lord, then it's time to acknowledge it. First step is just admitting. It's like any sin, right? We acknowledge it. We confess it and we repent of it. God, I'm sorry that I have not delighted in you and I want to delight in you. I want you to be my pleasure, my joy, my passion. Help me. And we do the things that it takes. We read our Bible. We spend our time with God. We seek after him. We do those things that we talked about last week, right? We don't just read, but we chew. We digest we meditate, and we put it to work. And as you sit and pray about that, here's what I'll invite you to do. If and when you're ready, either to say, yeah, I'm there, Matt, great. You don't even have to wait. Just come on up, grab communion, right? Or if you need to take a minute and confess and repent and, and decide, sit and think. But when we're ready, Nicole's going to play for us.
and we're just going to come and we're going to grab communion together. Heavenly Father, God, I just I want to thank you for your word. I want to thank you for the desires that you upload to our hearts, for the checks in our spirit, the doors that you open and close. God, those are all your voice. But if we are going to hear them, if we are going to hear your voice, if we are going to listen to your voice, then God, we need to be intimately connected to you. We need to know you and delight in you. Because when we know you and when we delight in you, God, then we will know what's real and we will know what's counterfeit. And so, God, I confess to you that while my, my wish is that I could say with all of my passion, yes, I delight in the Lord above everything else, God, I confess that at times that is not true for me. And I confess that. I confess that too many times I've made other good things more important than you. Things that you intended for my pleasure, but you never intended them for them to be my sole delight. That I've, I've, I've been off. God, I confess that to you. And, and here in, in front of this body, this family that I love, I repent of that. God, and I encourage others to do the same. God, we thank you for your sacrifice. Because it is, it, it's only through the sacrifice of your son that we have the ability to draw close to you in this way to delight in you the way that we should. Father, we love you and we praise you. Amen.